Hey there, this is uh, Longstrider, also known as LJ. Uh, my name is LJ, part of the band Longstrider. You know how it is. Welcome to the Lunchroom Music Review. This is the first episode ever of this beautiful musical journey that we have before us. Basically what this podcast is all about. <laughs> We're looking at some really cool stuff, fam. What we're doing is we are looking at music from not only a music appreciation nature, but we are also looking at it from a little bit of critical. But the thing is, we're not trying to shoot this down. You know, if there is something that we are confronted with, you know, it could be something, I don't know, a band you've never heard before. We have to think about this from a different light, if you will. If we go into it, being so negative that we can't take what the artist is trying to do and process it through our own experiences and, uh, you know, life in general, you know, we could be missing out on something entirely, something that could potentially have changed our lives. So what we have to do is we have to look at this through, I don't want to say, um, I'm trying to think of the phrase here, we're trying to look at it from a good stance, you know, a, an intellectual stance. And also, when we rate the album, uh, you know, whatever album we're talking about for this particular episode, we're looking at it, again, from a kind heart. And we want to address and assess, you know, what what is going on in the album, or the song, depending uh, here at the Lunchroom lunch Music Review, we are going to talk about albums as a construct. Um, you know, we're going to typically call those meals. And after that, uh, we're going to talk about singles and EPs as snacks. So that being said, let's get into our first meal of the podcast. And that is the Beatles' bombastic album. Revolver. So when we're looking at Revolver, we have to keep a couple different things in mind. We have to look at this album as essentially the birth of Christ. And why do I say that? Well, you know, typically we use that as a focal point for history. We say, um, you know, at least when I was growing up, uh, we had it as B.C. and A.D., um, you know, BC before Christ, AD, I think it's Addo and Domini, whatever. You get the drift. Basically, there was a focal point and we looked before and after uh, that specific point, i.e. the birth of Jesus. In this particular mode, Revolver is the sleeper agent. This is an album that you don't know if you like it the first time you listen through it but if you go back through it and you look at it you realize that revolver is more than that and that's what the other component of this show is we have to look at music with a sense of childlike wonder it's exciting to have these moments right the discovery of a new album the first time you heard hey jude by the Beatles, you know, it changed your life, or at least I hope it did. <laughs> um, something of that caliber in nature is powerful. It's so powerful, and we have to address that. That's what happened with Revolver. 
Now, go back to uh, 1966. Well, more like 1965. The Beatles had been touring through several albums. Uh, the last one being Revolver. Uh, and, you know, well, I should say, the last one being Rubber Soul and about to be Revolver. This is such a focal point in pop his- pop music history because this is the moment that the Beatles transitioned from a touring band going around the world, playing shows, uh, experiencing the limelight firsthand to being a studio band. And, you know, today, you know, we think about this in like almost a sense of dualism, meaning two things existing at the same time. Bands, artists, what have you, there's the studio component, and then they go out and they play the shows. Well, it was kind of different back then. A lot of the acts, they were more focused on putting out the big single, touring that big single, um, you know, typically not album-centric, but they would put out a lot of consecutive singles, compile that into your show, and there you go. The Beatles kind of changed that. And I know some people may disagree with me on that. You know, other examples include Elvis, uh, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, people of that nature. But, but where I would counter that is I would say few bands before that had such bombastic music, um, music that just, you know, was at the focal point of everybody's minds, that it honed the concept of the pop group or the band. And we have that here in the Beatles. It started with Please Please Me going through Meet the Beatles and it ended up going through basically all of their albums. You know, this this is the concept of now we're taking an album on the road. We're taking something more than just a single or a consecutive set of singles. That's what happened with the Beatles. In a way, the Beatles were touring albums. Um, you know, for example, Hard Day's Night, Help. They were touring these albums. We get to Rubber Soul and we see there's a little bit more studio editing going on. Um, for example, the one in particular, um, Norwegian Wood. That is a really nice sitar part. Um, It is also in tune with the guitar part. It's being played backwards. And we see that here on Revolver. But there's the shift using the studio as an additional member of the band to be able to contort sound in a way that changes how somebody's voice sounds. Instead of like this, you know, where I'm talking normally, I would throw in something else on it. Just like that. Um, (laughs) So... We have that here on a little bit of Rubber Soul, so the album before Revolver, and now we have it on Revolver. It's crazy to hear the difference. And if you want an example specifically, um, listen to uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, which is the last track on Revolver. Compare that to I Want to Hold Your Hand and see the difference. Now, we also have to address that um, this is starting to become into the height of psychedelia, which is um, essentially taking mind-altering drugs to alter the music, um, you know, your mind perception, and therefore are producing, like, this is what we call, like, trippy sounds or 
um, you know, like, I don't want to say looped sounds, but it's more like a heady or as in like cerebral um, kind of song. Uh, there's plenty of examples on on here, but if you want another specific example of a more like heady Beatles song, um, look for uh, "With You Without You." Um, that is on, or "Within You Without You." I apologize. That is on Sgt. Pepper. So that is the album after Revolver. We see a little bit of psychedelia experience on Rubber Soul, which is the album that's preceding, or yeah, preceding Revolver. Um, for example, Norwegian Wood. Um, we see that on Nowhere Man. Those are songs where you're hearing more of a studio element. But the Beatles basically cut out touring around 1966, and they made Revolver. This album. When I first listened to it and I talked about it in the beginning, I was kind of on the fence about it. Reason why, it is a little bit heady. Um, the psychedelia, you can hear it, but when I was first getting into the Beatles, I was more into the larger hits like Hey Jude, Get Back, Something. Uh, these are important songs in the Beatles catalog. Um, they're, they're pinnacle Beatles songs. Revolver is the tipping point, though. And here's why. We start off with Taxman. This is a George Harrison song. And a little bit of background that you need to know about George Harrison. He only had like one or two songs that he was able to write for the Beatles proper. Um, so within that intellectual property, uh, George Harrison was only able to get a couple songs. Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote the rest of the majority of the songs. What's interesting on this is that Harrison and Ringo have songs and that's, that's big. You know, Ringo sang a couple songs. Um, but, you know, he and Paul wrote a little bit on uh, Revolver for Yellow Submarine. And it's fascinating because you hear these elements come out in the songs. You know, with the studio as your friend and your backing guide, um, you are able to do things that you didn't think you could do before. So Taxman is a perfect example of that. Um, it's... You can hear the shift. The shift of Revolver is a little bit heavier. Um, you know, where Rubber Soul is like the light side of, you know, the psychedelic era of the 1960s, mid to late 1960s. Now we have Revolver, which is almost on par with like the darker side of the psychedelia era. Perfect examples are the band Love and The Doors, um, which we'll cover The Doors later in later episodes. Um but Taxman is the perfect example of this kind of middle of the road. It's pulling from Beatles songs before, and now we have an interesting uh, component with uh, Taxman where we're hearing more of the studio come into light. And that's good. You know, and George Harrison really shines on this song. Uh, he comes into his own as a singer and as a... Uh, guitar player uh, more so than he did before in my opinion at least the next track that we have on revolver is eleanor rigby which is one of my favorite beatles songs ever when you're touring it's a big deal at least in this age 
it's a big deal <laughs> to have uh, string instruments on stage, and not only to have string instruments set on stage, but for the string instruments to sound good. Because we have the power of the studio, Paul McCartney is able to expand a little bit more on that. So uh, the Beatles producer, George Martin, uh, he had a huge hand in what the Beatles did. Now, John Lennon specifically talked against this, but what's fascinating and different about it is that with this, George Martin is composing the orchestra. And it's good, and it sounds great. It's very staccato. It brings this almost like humdrum of, uh, you know, society. And it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see uh, this new side of Paul. So Eleanor Rigby, uh, Eleanor Rigby talks about um, a girl who works at the church, uh, and then later Father Mackenzie, who uh, essentially takes care of Eleanor Rigby's uh, funeral arrangements. And it's a little bit darker. Again, it's a darker shift for the Beatles. You know, this somber uh, song. You know, in earlier songs, like it's been more like, oh, woe is me, this girl broke up with me. Rubber Soul and Revolver, off, I often jokingly call them the twins. You know, they, uh, they play off of that. Lennon has a heavier hand in the kind of... Um, I guess you would say everyday life doldrum. Um, and yeah, so we have that on Eleanor Rigby. It's really fascinating um, to see. I mean, there's 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 nobody else. It's just Paul singing. And the rest is, uh, you know, these studio musicians from Abbey Road. So really fascinating in that regard. The next track is another perfect example of that day-to-day doldrum with I'm Only Sleeping. This song annoyed me because I hated in the beginning how it just sounds kind of meh. Um, But it has grown on me since because as an adult, you'll find that (laughs) everyday life sometimes, sometimes you just want to sleep and just catch up on your sleep, take care of yourself, and Personally, when I listen to I'm Only Sleeping, I think of Lennon in a, writing this in almost like a, I'm just too tired to get out of bed today. And, you know, for copyright reasons, I can't really, uh, you know, sing it. But, you know, the lyrics, um, these are not my own. These are the Beatles. I, they're, they, they're theirs. Um, Lennon says, when I wake up early in the morning, lift my head, I'm still yawning. And... It's really fascinating to hear that, um, you know, the Beatles had this really extensive tour schedule. They had all these public appearances because they're huge. I mean, at at that time, they are the biggest band in the world. And hearing Lennon go through this um, is really fascinating. Pay attention when you're listening to this song to the backup harmonies, and you can hear that stark contrast that I was talking about. This is another example of the studio being their friend and helping them out. Following that, Love You Too. Um, this is Harrison, the second Harrison song. It's a little different. Um, it's I don't know how to describe it. I, it's, I think it's more that studio effect. It's that almost heavier hand. Um, 
to bring almost like a darkness to it where Harrison is playing the sitar, um, which for those of you who don't know, it is a mu- musical instrument uh, originating from India and the uh, Middle East. Um, during this time of psychedelia and the 1960s, what is called counterculture, a lot of artists were pulling from uh, you know Eastern meditation and um, enlightenment, so to speak, and also their instruments. Um, the Beatles were big on this. You can hear it in some Rolling Stones songs of the time. Um, you know, anything to kind of branch out and to feed the mind, if you will. This is Harrison shining on um, a track that, you know, is in a little bit of a different key. Um, to me, sometimes it can be a little uh, offsetting. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it just catches you at the right mood and it's different and you enjoy it. So that being said, Next, we're going to move into a McCartney song that I really love, which is Here, There, and Everywhere. This, to me, when I hear this song, it harkens back to um, where the Beatles came from, you know, with the Quarrymen. Uh, this is almost an early rock and roll sound. And most people will be saying, like, well, LJ, what are you talking about? When you listen to Here, There, and Everywhere, think about the Four Seasons, the band, or the group, I should say. When they're singing that almost barbershop quartet acapella um this is that that's here there and everywhere so pay attention to that um this is another really good example of mccartney's songwriting shining through um he is honing in on this song craft that he has done numerous times before but having the freedom of the studio to do whatever you want this is it you know this is a part of that and um you know, throughout all of the Beatles albums, they really play into their own, I don't want to say canon, but they play into their own history. And you're thinking, well, okay, LJ, what are you talking about? This is an example of what they used to do back with like, please, please me and stuff like that. They would harmonize. They always harmonized really well. Um, but it's those young guys just starting out. And I think that's here on here, there and everywhere. Um, but it's phenomenal. Uh, it seems like it was straight out of a movie. Yellow Submarine is the next one. This is a huge, huge song for Ringo um, that Paul primarily wrote, but Ringo helped. Uh, so this is Yellow Submarine. Great song. Very silly. Uh, very Ringo-esque in that regard because Ringo is seen as kind of like the jokester of the group. Um, you know, it's talking about... Uh, sailing to sea you know we all live in the yellow submarine here is the big takeaway from this song this is another perfect example of the studio being your friend here on yellow submarine we see that and it comes into play where Ringo is doing all this stuff and then you hear all these different things going on in the background up the cable up the cable all right sir all right sir captain captain all the submarine sounds this is the Beatles playing with the studio in a back and forth. And it's awesome. And we get this amazing song from Ringo on the vocal, the one that you can just sing along to almost like, Hey Jude, or I want to hold your hand. It's very playful. Next track. She said, she said, now this track is different. Um, and it's, it has a little bit more of those studio effects in it, but she said, she said is a, another Lennon original primarily where he's going into, um, 
you know, just the playfulness of being in the relationship and making me feel like I've never been born. This track is um, solid middle of the road. It's kind of like Taxman uh, and very exciting to listen to. And with that, uh, after the quick break here, we are going to finish off with the rest of this album. Thank you so much, and we'll be right back. Hey there, uh, this is LJ uh, of Longstrider, the band. Uh, I just really wanted to say thank you so, 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 so much for listening to this podcast. This uh, <laughs> this would be uh, the section where if we had sponsors, uh, we would totally talk about them. However, uh, we do not have those at this time. So with that being said, um, I'm going to talk about what I had for lunch today. I ate... Starbucks impossible breakfast sandwich. This is not an endorsement from Starbucks. Not saying that at all. Uh, just wanted to say that that's what I ate for lunch today. It was quite good. It filled me up, uh, especially with the coffee I had to keep me going and to fill uh, out the rest of the day. That being said, uh, going forward, uh, we will have this middle section not only be for sponsors, but for the meal of the day. Um, you know, typically the albums we talk about are meals, uh, but in this scenario specifically, it, we're kind of playing around with the, with the format a little bit. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you want to sponsor the show, that would go right here. And that being said, uh, again, really appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast, please, 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 please like subscribe. Uh, send this to your friends, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell the people that you want to listen to this show. We're doing honest music reviews and we really hope that y'all enjoy it from uh, not a negative light where you're just hearing somebody uh, go off on an album because it was by a specific band. Um, this is more than that. <laughs> this is about enjoying music and what it stands for. So no negativity here. Um, and that being said, having an eternal uh, sense of gratefulness and positivity, even in the face of something that you don't really like. So that being said, again, thank you so much. And we'll get back into the episode. All right. So the latter half of this meal, let's get going. Uh, we're almost there <laughs> halfway through. Here we go. Good day, sunshine. This is another perfect example of the studio being the Beatles' friend. We have it at towards the end uh, where we hear the pan go back and forth with the good day, good day, sunshine. Then it goes back and forth across uh, your headphones. So notice how it fades left to right. That's a huge thing. Uh, and so we have that here on this particular track. And it's exciting. It's so cool. I really do enjoy hearing uh, like this this play from the Beatles. Um, and it's, it's just awesome. It's such a good track. And Your Bird Can Sing is it's kind of in the same vein as Good Day Sunshine. Um, but in particular, this song feels like standard. It feels like in that same rock and roll vein as She Said, She Said, Good Day Sunshine, Taxman, 
Um, these are all the same. Uh, but your bird can sing is good because it shows the group harmonizing again, like I was talking about earlier, really rounding out this album well. Uh, next for no one is a McCartney song where um, we have kind of like almost like a harpsichord sound. Uh, this is McCartney playing around in the studio again, uh, messing with different instruments um, and that harsh reality of the day, you know, somebody breaking up with you, typical Beatles, uh, standard songwriting. But then in addition to that, um, we have something a little bit darker, a little more somber coming from McCartney, who's usually the optimist of the group. You know, Lennon is the one that typically has that like somberness to him, or at least like the dramatic realist. Um, so we hear that in Paul and that's really weird. That being said, on the flip side of Paul, let's go to the flip side of Lennon. Here we have Dr. Robert. Um, and Dr. Robert is interesting because this is showing Lennon uh, playing around with um, being a little bit goofy, if you will. Um, and it's not to say that Lennon couldn't have fun. You know, we see that in other albums, in other songs, like Paul the Theme Pam, regardless of how much Lennon hated them later, you know, th this is true. Um, you know, this, this is something from, uh, Lennon in particular, and he's enjoying himself on it. Um, so it's exciting to see, uh, this come about. And next we have, oddly enough, a third Harrison track on Revolver. Uh, this is big. This is a big deal for Harrison. Uh, you know, usually only doing one to two songs. Now he has a third. And I want to tell you, uh, this one is a little bit different. I think if I had to say this was a song that came from Rubber Soul or was one that just didn't make the cut, it would be I Want to Tell You, which seems kind of rude, right? And, and that's a very rude thing to say. But I Want to Tell You, I think it's still Harrison kind of figuring out his songwriting abilities um it comes out a little bit later where harrison uh is you know almost kind of like ostracized in the beatles uh not really able to spread his wings some people say it's because of paul you know i hate to say it but i am a little bit of a paul mccartney fanatic so as much as i would like to think that paul didn't do something like that it is completely and entirely possible that he shunted harrison but at the same time you know, I mean, this this to me sounds like the young Harrison, who was several years younger than the Beatles, or the rest of the Beatles, he's still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, he's still trying to get his foothold. Next, uh, we got Got to Get You Into My Life, which is a Paul McCartney song that is, interesting, interestingly enough, talking about his relationship to uh, the drug marijuana. And that comes through with... Paul on got to get you into my life. Um, you know, like I said, this is the height of the psychedelic era. Uh, just about going into it. Uh, the Beatles are starting to experiment with more of these mind altering drugs. You know, Paul in particular, um, you know, that that's what the song's about. Now it's really great. You know, that the Beatles do that to kind of like offset, <laughs> you know, you can put the, you can make this about anything, you know, um, he writes it as a love song. But it's also disguised as his fascination with the new uh, drugs that he is into. So 
and the rest of the group. And finally, uh, another piece of studio magic, as opposed to On God to Get You Into My Life and uh, Good Day Sunshine with the multiple panning back and forth, um, the horns have got to get you into my life, the panning back and forth, we have Tomorrow Never Knows. Now, this uh, originally was uh, Lennon trying to sound like the Dalai Lama uh, talking into a, uh, you know, like a cavern, uh, you know, hearing his voice on the mountaintop and yelling down into the cavernous valley, turn off your mind, relax, float downstream. And this song is creepy. It's not cool <laughs> to listen to in the dark or whatever. It's creepy. It really is. Um, you know, it makes almost Lennon sound like he's a deity in a way. Um, you know, to some people, Lennon was a deity. You know, to some, uh, he infamously said that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus, uh, which is, at the time, uh, very horrifying, considering that, you know, following that statement, a lot of uh, the group's albums were burned. Um, most of the U.S. albums uh, were burned. You know, they were saying that the Beatles were satanic or whatever. Um, you know, conversely, somewhat similar to Led Zeppelin, several years later on some albums where people were accusing them of, you know, playing this music in honor of, of satanic practices or whatever. On Tomorrow Never Knows, um, we have the new and the true form of the studio here with uh, this track because we hear Lennon um, and his voice uh, is what's called double tracked, meaning that uh, there's the main vocal, um, kind of like how I, what I have right now, uh, and then underneath it, there would be another vocal. Essentially, it's like doubling my voice, if you will. Um, but we hear that, and then we hear all these weird, like, in the background, which, um, you know, is the Beatles, you know, doing stuff, being weird. We have that weird, almost somber, heavy, heavy drums with this other uh, cacophonous craziness, you know, that's going on. But it's, you know, Lennon's version of Enlightenment. And so with that being said, that's it. That's the meal for the day. Uh, we have Revolver by the Beatles from 1966. This album still stands up today. Um, this is one of my favorite meals. I think it's great. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't have a social media page to ask what you think. Um, but, you know, if you leave a comment, uh, you know, let me know what you think about it. That'd be amazing. And with that being said... That's it for this meal, for the first meal that we had together. So exciting. Please, again, like, subscribe, comment. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell the people that you want to know about music about this. You know, send me album suggestions. If you have an album that you want me to review, send it my way. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be anything. I'll start with my basis of what I know. I'm more favorable in classic rock, but if you want me to delve deeper, I will. And with that being said, that's it for the Lunchroom Music Review this week. One more final big shout out. I want to shout out uh, my cousin Brady. Happy birthday. Man, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this pod uh, and love you, big guy. So take care and we'll talk at you later.